Well, it's a good thing that we have a shovel because it is snowmageddon out there, but the uh, Wayback Machine has snow tires, so I think we're good to go. Um, we have snow tires and we have chains on the snow, don't we? Or not tires, don't we? Well, we sure do. And uh, we'll get through this. We're going to head to Glasgow and then Des Moines, Iowa, and then Cleveland today, so it should be quite the trip. <laughs> now, before we go, here's a little foreshadowing. I've got a joke for you, okay? Okay. So, why don't Baptists like to have sex standing up? <laughs> you, you got me on this one, Tony. Because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> so, are you ready to go on a road trip, my friend? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. It's a new year, and it's a brand new Wayback Music Machine. CD player? Check. GPS? Double check. Roll bar? They're on the way. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we're getting ready for another rock and roll road trip. Are you ready, my friend? I'm always ready. Well, in that case, buckle up, because it's road trip time. So... I'm going to let you choose today where you want to go first. So do you want to go to Glasgow on January 17th, 1978? Or do you want to go, let's see, Des Moines, Iowa on January 20th, 1982? Or should we head to Cleveland, Ohio on January 23rd, 1956? Does anyone ever want to go to Des Moines? Just curious. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say Glasgow because you can't shovel rain. Okay, that sounds good. And, you know, so far, we've managed to piss off the uh, Baptists today. And uh, what do you call Des Moines, Des Moinesians? Uh, Baptists. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go over to Glasgow. Uh, January 17th, 1978. Here we go. So here we are in uh, Glasgow, Scotland on a dark, dank, rainy, wet, windy, miserable night to see a new band debut at the Satellite Club, and their name is Simple Minds. The Simple Minds, we know them and love them today. They're, they're still together. Um, and Tony, uh, do you know their original name? Do you know their original, you know, what they were known as originally? Well, in fact, I do, because they were a <laughs> punk band, uh, and two of the members of Simple Minds, um, Jim Kerr and Charlie Burchill were in a punk band before this called Johnny and the Self Abusers, which that's a fantastic punk name, don't you think? It's a great punk name, but can you imagine Top 40 Radio, Casey Kasem? Wow, that was Johnny and the Self Abusers with Don't You Forget About Me. <laughs> <laughs> so It's a great name, great name. It is. And uh, of course, they had a bit of an inauspicious debut, didn't they? They released their only singer. Uh, only single, sorry, called Saints and Sinners. And what happened on that day? Well, they they, they, they broke up. Uh, <laughs> they changed, you know, which, and I'm proud to say, I'm proud to say that I have that single. Oh, that's fantastic. I have that single, original pressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they broke up and they, they formed a new band, which, you know, and the first Simple Minds album is still quite punky, real to real cacophony. Um, cacophony? Cacophony? I can never say that word. But um, it's a great album, and 
Yeah, so Simple Minds, where did they get their name, Tony? Well, they got it from a David Bowie lyric from his song, uh, Gene Genie. And that's where that comes from. So that's pretty cool. They were Bowie fans, obviously, like a lot of people were back then. And And, and, uh, yeah, for sure. You can hear it in their music, too. Yeah, well, absolutely. And then it took them a little while, though, to break out across the pond here. But uh, we learned about them in Canada before the Americans really did, didn't we? Yeah, they had a single in 82 called Love Song. And this was very typical of the 80s in in Canada. Virgin Records really broke a lot of artists in Canada uh, long before they broke in the States. Another good example is Culture Club. Culture Club were big in Canada about a year before they finally broke in the States. But um, Simple Minds had a number of, uh, we used to call them turntable hits, which means that radio was playing them. They weren't selling truckloads of records, but they were known. And uh, But don't you forget about me, broke them wide open, right? Well, absolutely, because especially that association with The Breakfast Club, right? I mean, that that song is synonymous with that film. And man, did that ever blow up, eh? The film and the, the soundtrack album and the song. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really become one of the few rock anthems by an alternative band in the 80s. I mean, it's a real worldwide that and shout out my tears for fears you know you can just see the fist pumps going when it comes on right oh absolutely and uh you know what you still hear don't you forget about me all the time on radio too and it, and, and they weren't the first choice for that song i mean in other words the producer of the film and the guy who was putting together the soundtrack that they weren't the first choice no they offered it to a few people including uh a guy who i've seen live actually billy idol uh and billy turned it down and uh, Simple Minds finally decided to do it. Now, Billy is a great concert, by the way. Have you ever seen him? I have not seen him live, no. Okay, I uh, saw him, and he was the opener, actually. Uh, he was opening for Def Leppard. And that's a, that's a weird combination. It is a weird combination. And I'll tell you, Billy was fantastic, like absolutely stellar. His sound guy was on the ball, and everything about his set was fantastic. And then... Def Leppard comes on and I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden the sound was so bad. Uh, it was, this was in Scotiabank place in Canada. Uh, the sound was so bad. Uh, a bunch of us who were together going to see that show, we just left because you couldn't hear anything. Couldn't hear the harmonies, which Def Leppard is a harmony band. Uh, couldn't hear the guitars. They were just all muddy. Everything was buried by bass and drums. So, it, you know, I would have blamed it on the venue, Aaron, but because Billy Idol's set was so clean, it's it's purely the sound guy, and that's really too bad. It was a real shame. It wasn't because it wasn't they were too loud? Well, no, it was just because Billy was just as loud, but it, his was clean, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't, they had the, I mean, they had the bass and drums cranked way too loud, though, yeah. I've heard a theory about that, though, you know, is that some of these sound guys there, they start to go deaf, right? And... And they gradually just start cranking and cranking and cranking. And, and that could have been what happened. I don't know. It was it was really weird. It was a study in contrast, though. But, uh, yeah, Billy's set was fantastic. I would love to hear Billy Idol do Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I wish, I wish there was an outtake of that somewhere, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that's a little uh, piece of trivia there is that he turned that down. So that's pretty interesting. I bet you he was kicking himself after that. 
I bet you he was too. Uh, I, I certainly would be kicking myself. You remember that part in Spinal Tap where the the, uh, the record store promoter says, "You know, just kick me, kick me. I deserve to be kicked." <laughs> That's such a great movie. Oh, we're gonna bring up Spinal Tap in our next segment too. By the way, <laughs> uh, so Simple Mind. Yeah, they went on to have um, you know they've released eighteen studio albums thus far, eight live albums. And they've sold about 60 million albums worldwide. Yeah, that's, done, that's not bad. That's not bad. Not eh? bad. Not bad. I, I've seen Simple Minds in concert. They were amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I, uh, I still listen. I was listening to them last night after we were talking about this and putting together the show. Uh, and I was putting together the playlist. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to listen to Simple Minds. So I did. I dug out my old records and just grooved away. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. There's so many songs that you uh, you forget about, you know, uh, while the American, I love that song. And I hadn't oh, heard yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite song by them in the early days, yeah. Yeah, that is such a great song, but hadn't heard that in decades, I would think. Yeah, I like I like Belfast Child. I love that song. That's uh, from the Street Fighting Years album. Great, great album. And I like, um, you know, some... Uh, Somewhere, some, someone, somewhere in summertime. That's a great song too. Yeah, that is a great song. Now, what uh, single? What chart did you pick? It looks like you're doing the singles, right? Well, I, I thought I would look at that because you know Johnny and the Self Abusers did not make the top five. Oddly enough, uh, <laughs> I looked at the British top five this week, and it's a really funny chart, Tony, when you look at it because this is 1978. So punk's coming in big. Disco is still huge huge and the top five does not reflect either one no for the most part it's really a funny top five crystal gale sorry i don't know why i find that funny crystal gale at number five with don't make my brown eyes blue um bonnie tyler with it's a heartache uh trivia the drummer on that song a guy named mike gibbons was the drummer for badfinger there you go oh wow that's a great piece of trivia I know, and he and and you know, Badfinger had split up by this point, so he was a session musician, and he played on this. And I love, love, love Bonnie Tyler, and I love that song. Yeah, me too. Uh, Donna Summer with I don't know this song. Love's unkind. I don't think I do either, actually. <laughs> I listened to this last night. It's quite interesting. Brighouse and Rastrack Brass Band with Floral Dance. Oh my goodness. This is a big band, brass band, swing song, number two in England. And number one was the most unlikely number one of all time. And it's, well, at one point, for many years, it was the largest selling single in the UK. Now it's number three. It's a song called Mull of Kintyre by Wings, Paul McCartney and Wings, a Scottish waltz, really. Well, yeah, if you had to pick a Wings song that was going to go to number one, you wouldn't be picking that one, you know. And and over here, it was the other side that was plugged on the radio. A song called "Girls School." They didn't, but but Wings Mullif Kintyre made it big in Canada. So when I saw McCartney in Toronto, he brought on the Mississauga Police uh, Band, uh, bagpipe bagpipe band, and they did Mullif Kintyre. And it was not a dry eye in the house, like Glasgow on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> And since you said Glasgow on a Saturday night, what do you think? I think we should go to our uh, next next destination, which is Des Moines, Iowa. And we are heading to, I think we're heading to, yeah, January 20th, 1982. And someone who's, he's becoming a regular guest on our show, uh, Mr. Ozzy Osbourne. So I love this man. Yeah. And I love this next story too. It's one of those iconic ones. So here we go. 
So it's a good thing that the Wayback Machine has tinted windows because you uh, basically were slamming Des Moines earlier. So nobody can tell who it is in the vehicle, thank goodness. But uh, <laughs> I just blamed you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the career of Ozzy Osbourne, this might be the one that he's most remembered for, the most weird incident, wouldn't you think? I can't think of anything else. Um, I'm sure people are already figuring out exactly what we're talking about, but there's one career highlight slash low light that everybody thinks of when they think of Ozzy, and it's got to be this one. This is a true Spinal Tap moment, and I think if Spinal Tap had been made after the, I, mean, I don't know when the Spinal Tap was made, but this was this would be the this is Stonehenge times ten. Oh my goodness, yeah. So this is the famous bat story, and it happened on January twentieth, nineteen eighty-two. So here, you know, because we all I remember as a kid, right, eighty-two. Well, I was was thirteen years old, and I remember hearing, "Oh, Ozzy bit the head off a bat," you know. <laughs> and uh, so what actually happened is is. Uh, He's singing up on stage and it's very bright, like those lights up on those stages, you know, sometimes you're, you're dealing with thousand watt bulbs and, and they are really, really bright. Uh, someone threw a bat onto the stage and he thought it was like a, a rubber fake bat. So he picked it up and he attempted to bite its head off. And uh, as he started to bite the bat's head off, the bat started to flap its wings and uh Ozzy realized it wasn't fake, but in fact, a living bat. And so he went on, you know, this is the bet. This is so Ozzy as well. Just go on with the show. <laughs> and then, uh, and then immediately after the show rushed to the nearest hospital for rabies shots. But this is the, the quintessential Ozzy story. I think this, I don't think there's a more famous one than this. I, I just wish after he bit the head off and realized it was real, we didn't bite it off, but he bit the bat. Sharon, <laughs> you know that would have been that would have been perfect because because you know it's just it's it's so Aussie you know and we've talked about this man before because and, and let's be we're not making fun of the guy no but let's face it he's he's a he's a one man spinal tap if it could go wrong it went wrong for Aussie right well it has like every story we've talked about on this show about him they you just can't imagine anybody else happening to them. And, no, and what was only funny, Aussie. only Ozzy. And what was funny was that the show was advertised because this is the this was his big solo album, uh, Diary of a Madman. And so he's touring, and there's a poster, and the infamous Des Moines show has this Ozzy with horns and a cape, and above his head are the words, "Just when you thought it was safe to go back to a concert." Well, you know, every bat in the world has avoided concerts since then. <laughs> well, that's right. Now I, now I wonder if they're going to use that next time Aussie tours after this whole COVID thing is over. Wouldn't that be uh, can, hilarious? Can you tour? Have you seen him, though? He's on that TV show with his son. I have not uh, seen him lately because I, I don't watch TV very much. But uh, He's on a show with his son, Jack, and his wife, Sharon. And the whole premise, you know, Jack is a firm believer in ghosts. Okay, yeah. And he shows Aussie clips of supposed paranormal things film paranormal and he says dad do you believe this is true or not and it's quite funny because Ozzy's like where's the string it's just a string (laughs) you know it's it's great Um, he doesn't believe in any of it he's just kind of going man that's just BS and uh, he swears on TV folks I don't usually but he just swears and uh, it's funny it's really very funny 
Oh my goodness. I'll have to check out a clip of that because that does sound pretty funny. But he has done, you know, this became associated with him permanently. And uh, on the th- this was part of your notes, and I think this is so funny. The, the third, I do too, yeah. yeah. The 37th anniversary of the event. Not the 40th, not the 25th nope. or the 30th, <laughs> but the 37th. <laughs> he released a, and I'm just going to read your words here. He, he released a surprisingly adorable foot-tall plush bat, and the toy bat's head <laughs> naturally is removable. That is that is fantastic. <laughs> I, I really wish I had a kid at that time. I would have bought it for her. You know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know. Poor Ozzy, 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 Ozzy. Um, but do you know why the bat, you know the story about why he got the bat on the stage in the first place? Well, because he, he had, there were stories about him biting the heads off of live doves, weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. And this kid thought it would be, you know, cool. Yeah. yeah just up the ante a little bit and throw a bat up there instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes, a bat makes more sense than a dove because he is the prince of darkness. Well, that's right. Let's, uh, you know what, do you want to? check what was on the charts that week i don't know what else we can say about uh, uh ozzy you know, there's nothing you can say about ozzy it's just it's <laughs> it's um it's ozzy i love the man i do but me he's, too uh, crazy train indeed um and spinal tap should really one day okay i looked you know what i've never done the canada top five albums tony and, oh. I, and we've we, yeah we've almost done a whole year and i've never looked at canadian charts so i thought this week i'd do something different and i've got the top five Canadian charts for that week. So number five, and I know, I bet you money, I bet you have some of these albums either on cassette or on vinyl, or I have, let me see, I've got one, two, three, four of them. Okay, I have three, actually, yep. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm, let's, we should play the game. Which one do you think I don't, like, which one don't <laughs> I have? And I gotta figure the two you don't have. Um, number five is Foreigner Four. I bet you you don't have that one. No, I do, actually. I, Damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number four, Tattoo You by The Stones. Okay. Do you have that one? I, yeah, I've, I have five, four, and three, actually. So. Okay, five. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you'd have number one for sure. No, I, uh, you've got number one. I know you I do. I do. I don't have number two. I, that was my pick, number two. I was thinking yeah, out of, of all you know. this. Yeah. <laughs> you know me well, my friend. You know me well. Number three was The Police, Ghost in the Machine. That had been number one the week before. Rod Stewart, Tonight I'm Yours. And number one. I love this. Bob and Doug McKenzie, The Great White North. That's oh, wonderful. Fantastic. Only in Canada. Take Off to The Great White North, featuring Getty Lee on vocals. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> do you remember that song? <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> I think I think Ian Thomas, who's the brother of Dave Thomas, who was Bob or Doug, he produced the album, and he plays on And Ian Thomas, by the way, is a great great musician i was just gonna say that i was just gonna say that i love uh, some of ian thomas's music yep oh he's painted lady and all those songs are just fantastic so that was the top five in canada that this week in um in uh, 1982 oh wow what a great chart now we've got uh, one more stop here we saved cleveland for last i mean i managed to upset all the baptists with that joke at the beginning but uh, well i i annoyed every des moines person so (laughs) all four of them (laughs) we're leaving a trail of destruction in our wake here (laughs) all right for once we never do that tony what's wrong with us this week i don't know it's the snow that's right it's addling our brains (laughs) 
Let's go to uh, January the 23rd, 1956, and uh, see what the heck was going on in Cleveland. So here we are in Cleveland, Ohio, and it's January the 23rd, 1956. And this is, uh, you know, probably one of the influences for the movie Footloose, I'm sure. But rock and roll fans in Cleveland under the age of 18 were banned from dancing in public unless they were accompanied by an adult. The Ohio police decided uh, to start enforcing a law that had actually come into place in 1931. And the reason that they did this is because Cleveland was such a, a hotbed of early rock and roll and, you know, some of the more Puritan uh, citizens in that uh, city decided that they didn't like what rock and roll was doing to young people and they decided no more dancing. So they uh, they convinced the police to start enforcing this law that banned dancing under the age of 18, which unbelievable. I think you, you, you need to put this in context that the law was dating back to 1931. That was the incident of the great jitterbug revolution. And uh, <laughs> people were jitterbugging, and all of a sudden, Tony, there was fires in the street, uh, stores were being looted. It was awful. So, you know, to their to their credit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like when the Montreal Canadiens don't uh, yeah. don't win the cup, you know. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same, except here it was about jitterbug. Isn't that incredible that they they. And, and Cleveland is the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, the Moondog Coronation Ball back in 52 must have still been fresh in people's memories, right? Because uh, that that was, of course, Alan Freed's uh, big concert that he staged. Probably, wouldn't you say, the first real rock and roll concert, eh? Yeah, and I think I think once that happened, his days were numbered. Oh. Yeah, quite, quite sadly. And I, and I don't say that with any humor because I love... Alan Freed, and, and um, please don't let me get on a tirade about uh, you-know-who. Oh, um, no, for sure. We, we will dick, not mention dick, him. Dick, dick, someone, dick, someone, dick, Clark. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, I think you're right. I think that that concert, which was, and it was also uh, mixed, so there was black artists, white artists. It was just everything that could be wrong about it was wrong in that time not in my opinion at that time no absolutely and for those of you who uh, don't know what happened so alan freed um, he was originally a, a sports journalist and then he uh, leo mintz who was a record store owner uh, was talking to alan and said i've got you know all this they called it race records back then but all this great mm-hmm. rhythm and blues stuff and uh, he got alan freed turned on to that and of course the rest is history right because uh Alan became a, a huge champion of uh, black musicians and uh, of that type of music. And I mean, really, I don't think you could say there would be rock and roll without Freed. No, but he, but you know, and he wouldn't play. I think we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating is that a lot of white artists, you know, would co- would, would do covers of the black artist songs. And he was like, that's, that's rubbish. I'm going to play the originals. And he would be playing people like Fats Domino, uh, Big Mama Thornton, uh, Chuck Berry, and he played the the, the the you know the cornerstone of classic rock and roll, and rhythm and blues and all that. But that wasn't quite okay on American radio back in the early. It certainly wasn't in Cleveland. I mean, no. Can you imagine though how great that must have been listening to him? Because you know 
supposedly he would uh, he'd be thumping on his desk while the music was on in time with the music and and you know interjecting in the middle of songs and stuff like uh, hooting and hollering and stuff I mean, he just he was a, a big fan of that music and and he really got people stirred up and when he decided to do this moondog coronation ball um the venue was a capacity of about 9,900 people and twice that number showed up and they ended up crashing the gates and a bunch of people got in free. And I don't, the concert didn't go very far either. Did it? They didn't get very far into it before it was canceled, but uh, it was a, it was a big scandal. It was shut down. Uh, Have you seen the movie? about? I can't remember the name of the film, but in the seventies or maybe early eighties, there was a film about Alan free and it's quite good. Um, I, I'm not sure if I've seen. I, there's a few movies about him out there, but I'm not sure if I've seen the one that you're talking about. But I, I'm with you. I am a big Alan Freed fan, and uh, you know he was uh, the first DJ to coin the phrase rock and roll. And of course, rock and roll was uh, that term. Rocking and rolling had been around forever. It was a euphemism for sex, but um, he he coined it, uh, it f- applying to the music. You know the style of music, and uh, really was instrumental in in helping rock and roll just explode and i love his uh exhibit at the rock and roll hall of fame oh, me too i i probably next to the beatles and elvis i spent more time at his exhibit than i did and the movie was called american hot wax oh okay okay i don't I, but seen I, that. I i i love his exhibit and I, I love i love listening on youtube to old because there's still recordings of them which is really great to hear um, but he he pioneered not only did he pioneer pioneer rock and roll, but he pioneered rock and roll radio. You know, uh, I mean, when when you get the Ramones in 1979 singing about you, you've done something right. Well, that's absolutely, and you know, unfortunately, he died very very young. And his uh, really, I I think you're right. You know, this uh, big scandal over the Moondog Coronation Ball might have been the beginning of the end for him. Unfortunately, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think so. Anyways, and it's. And it's it's sad, you know, Tony, because you and I talk about Alan Freed, and I hear his name once in a while, but I don't see it a lot. No. You know, if I see one more reference to American Bandstand, I might, you know, no. have to go back to Des Moines. But um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> I think it's time to give Alan Freed his due. Really, oh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, let's take a look at the charts. What did you pick this week? Well, I was going to do the American charts, but I've done the American charts for, and I looked at the top five and thought we'd done these songs, and so I thought I'm going to do something different, and I went to the British top five, the UK. So we did uh, Canadian albums, UK singles in 1978, and UK singles in seventy in, in nineteen uh, what year are we? Fifty six. So uh, a person that used to be played at my house by my dad. Uh, you know, and this may have been one of the reasons my parents got divorced. Um, Max Bygraves, a song called Meet Me on the Corner. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard Max Bygraves, Tony, but. No, I haven't. It's kind of rough. Uh, Bill Haley, number four, with a great, great song, Rock a Beaten Boogie. Love that song. Oh, I I'm do. I love saying the title. Let's <laughs> just, just walk around saying the title all day. Number three, Four Races, Love is a Many Splendid Thing. I love this song. Number two, Tennessee Ernie Ford with 16 tons. Yeah, that is a great song. What do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Bill Haley, of course, rock around the clock, a classic. Yeah, and, and the importance of that song in rock and roll history, I don't think can be ever overstated. You know, that, that was, was that the first million seller or was yeah. it? It was, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. I thought so. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I you know I was watching another show and they're talking about the whole. What were they watching? Some of the oh, I was watching a documentary on a group called Sparks, the group Sparks, and they talk about being in the movie theater and watching Blackboard Jungle and hearing that song, and they yeah. said our lives changed. We walked out of that movie theater, went next door to the record store, and bought the single. Yeah, a lot of uh, teenagers did the same thing because uh, the Blackboard Jungle, boy, that uh, what a groundbreaking film that was too. Well, in England, Blackboard Jungle had riots in the cinemas. Yeah, people were tearing up seats and throwing things at the screen. I mean, it was just a riot, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like Glasgow on a Saturday night. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. You know what? I think we've hit the trifecta. We've we've pissed off. <laughs> All three cities that we're visiting to. <laughs> We've finally done it. It took 39 episodes and we're there. <laughs> well, like like Snowfall in Ontario, we'll do it all in one shot, you know. <laughs> so uh, let's say we're going to do our From Memphis to Merseyside moment. And uh, you've got a Beatles one picked, I think, for this week. So i'm ready yes, to I go do. home i'm ready to go home because i don't want to get beat up in any of the cities we visited so we didn't make fun of cleveland we were very kind to cleveland well, well yeah, the, ba- the baptists in cleveland right yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but they're pacifists so don't worry about it all right here we go Well, I was hoping the snow would be gone, but it's still here. But uh, let's talk about our Memphis to Merseyside moment. So what do you got for me, my friend? Well, there was, you know, Tony, I don't know if people at home don't know this, but Tony sends a list of all the stuff that's going on this week. And there was three big Beatle ones this week. And and one of them was that on the 17th of January, the the wonderful trumpet solo in Penny Lane was recorded, the horn. But I picked this one on January 19th, which which happens to be my brother's birthday, too. Um, Carrie, happy birthday, Carrie. Uh, in 1967, the Beatles began recording A Day in the Life at Abbey Road Studios, London. They did four takes of the new song. Now, I picked this because I don't know if you know this, Tony, but A Day in the Life is my all-time favorite song, bar none. I, I knew that. I, I knew that. Yeah, I love this song. There's so much going on. And um, so the fact, you know, they started recording it. And, you know, there's a lot of people there. If you watch the film of the recording, you'll see Mike Nesmith just hanging out there. Because I think people knew something was going on when they recorded this. And the other thing that's really funny is the orchestra who did that, you know, that big noise, that sound. They had the Beatles put them with funny faces and masks and funny hats and like a party atmosphere, right? So I picked it because this is an important day in my life because this was the, um, you know, the, the recorded a day in the life, which is to me stands the test of time as, as just an outstanding five minutes. And, and that last piano chord at the oh, end. Oh, amazing. Know, amazing. Love it. Love it. So, And, uh, you know, he took this from uh, headlines and news stories, didn't he? You know, the uh, the holes in, uh, he read a story about 4,000 potholes in Lancashire. Is that how you say That's that? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I never know with some of those uh, long British town names, you know. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's in Wales, if it's long, it's probably pronounced Smith or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, all these uh, all these things that he pulled from uh, from newspaper uh, clippings, and there was the death of someone named Tara Brown. She was the twenty one year old heiress to the Guinness fortune and she crashed on on 18th of December 1966 and 
of course, later on, all the Paul is dead stuff referred to this song a lot. But I agree with you. I mean, I, I think this is got to be the Beatles magnum opus, right? It has to be. Yeah, he just just so I agree. And just so you know, there's a, even a line in the song that refers to a film he had made that year called um, How I Won the War. Mm-hmm. And there's a line about the English army had just won the war. So, yeah, you're right, Tony. It was really just what was going on around. But, I mean, how can you not love a song that starts off with, I read the news today, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it's, you're not in for a good time, right? What an incredible song. And you know what I'm just realizing, Aaron, is that we're going to be getting together in person in four days. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Well, that's if the snow lets me get out of my driveway because that's still, you know, my garage is still snowed under, but I'll get it out. I'll get it out. Yeah. So on Friday, you're coming my way. That'll be great. Cynthia and I can't wait to see you guys. Well, we can't wait to see you two. And I and I, I got to say, I appreciate you having us. I hope you don't go to a lot of trouble for us because, you know, we're... Uh, we're not worth it. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> we're very excited to see you. We're really, uh, Andrea is so excited to come up and that's all I've been talking about. So yeah, and we have a, a special project we're working on too. We do. We can't quite talk about it just yet though, but no. that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be doing that on Saturday afternoon and yeah, I don't know, we probably should record next week's show in person while you're here. I'm thinking. I agree. I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you on that one friend yeah agreement. you know because i don't mind driving around in a virtual van but uh, it's a lot more fun in person for sure 100 100 if we can you know if we don't annoy anyone from many towns we should be all right well that's right <laughs> so folks thank you very much for uh lending us your ears today and of course we're grateful that you allowed us into your headphones today keep on rocking and we'll see you again soon Thanks for listening to our road trip. The music was by Rick Denis. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way you'll be the first to know whenever we release a new episode. How else can people help, Aaron? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website. And if you think we're worth the five stars, please leave us a review. Thanks for hitting the road with us today. And we'll see you again soon. It's not just business, it's personal. And Signature Theater's new musical, No Place to Go. When dedicated employee George discovers his company is relocating to Mars, he must decide whether to go and uproot his family's life or embark on an unknown venture. Featuring DC star Bobby Smith, No Place to Go is an irreverent and humorous musical with an enterprising twist. Now playing at Signature Theater through October 16th. Get your tickets at sigtheater.org. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm.